Hey guys, welcome to episode four. We're talking Alien Covenant. This is the beginning of our Alien series for the podcast. We also talk about Guillermo del Toro's upcoming film, The Shape of Water, and we talk a little bit about a book called Beasts of Burden. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to your doom. Welcome to your doom. This is Atal. This is Justin. And welcome to your doom. We are going to be talking a little Alien Covenant today. Well, before we get into that, there was a... I did want to talk quickly about... Uh, we didn't get a chance to talk about this in our SDCC episode, so I don't, I don't think it was actually necessarily released. I think it came out just before. Yeah. Like a few days before it, it must have, the actual yeah. con kicked. Yeah. Um... The Shape of Water, Guillermo del Toro's new movie, the trailer came out, and it was a teaser trailer, and it was fucking fantastic. I'm just really excited about this movie. Um, the, like the, like, the creature effect, like, honestly, del Toro's, like, uh, complete dedication to always doing physical effects for creatures is just, it's incredible, because the results are so like amazing looking and this uh merman i guess is what it is it's like a abe sapien's father yeah his long lost brother this is basically abe sapien the movie are we sure it's a male a merman no yeah we don't know maybe she's maybe she's uh maybe it's a dude i'm sorry maybe it's a girl yeah yeah that's true hey man it's 2017 maybe it's like androgynous that's you know I don't know what that word means. I I think that word means sexless. <laughs> sexless. Uh, hang on, androgynous. Uh, that is not how you spell it, but close enough. Partly male and partly female in appearance of indeterminate sex. All right. Well, now I've learned something. Yeah. My grammar is for shit. That is right. <laughs> that and, is uh, correct, sir. Um, basically. It's uh, Tilda Swinton. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I, I think it looks great. What do you think? Um, I thought it was good. It really was like, it was interesting because it's basically like a monster romance movie, right? Yeah. Yes. It's just, it's it's exactly what I want to see, what I wanted to see him make, yeah. like something a little more direct like that. Even his, uh, his last film, uh, Crimson Peak, I absolutely loved that movie. It looked great. I don't think it, you know, plot, you know, like from a plotting standpoint, I don't think it's not introducing any wild new ideas. No. But the execution, I thought, was just fantastic. It's an incredible-looking movie, and uh, and he's carrying it again into that gothic, like romance. Well, this is more of a science fictiony sort of feel to it. Yeah. But uh, you know, giving always giving the monster a personality and like the monster has meaning. The monster is not necessarily the bad guy. And that's not something that's new. Mm -hmm. I just think del Toro has such a dedication for, for creating stories that fully flesh out the other, 
like whoever the other is. Yeah. Like John Carpenter famous. Like he always like, I don't know if you've seen these in his interviews, but he's always talks about the other, like in his films, he's like, that's what's terrifying. Right. And I think del Toro basically takes that, the other yeah. and like fleshes them out as like a full on character. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then you got Michael Shannon in the background, no. just screaming at everybody. He's got a good scream. That guy. I will find him. <laughs> I, you know what? I haven't seen Man of Steel in a little while, and but I remember in the theater with that scene, I was like, I was terrified. He was pissed. He was. But then he again, was, I'd be upset. He was terrifying in that scene. Well, he's about to get wrapped into a big giant space dong and shot off into infinity. <laughs> yeah, I'd be true. a little upset too. <laughs> yeah. I remember watching that scene in the theaters. I was like, who the fuck greenlit this? Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> who was like Zach? Good call on the space penises. That's yeah. good. Oh, yeah. No, it's very weird that it's, all of the it ships is, look and, like and dude, giant flying members. And I know guy, like folks that worked at, um, like, a, what's it called? Um, oh, my God. New Zealand. Um, oh, uh, Lord like of Rings. Peter Jackson studio. Yeah. Um, How am I blanking? Well, I, can't, I, can't, I can't remember. It's, uh, <laughs> oh, it's going to drive me nuts. Anyways, they, they basically, they famously, all the artists Weta, were called, Weta. They were yeah. calling it the space penises, or they had another word, but it was the end. Like so, what the people working on it were calling oh, yeah. it the space dicks. Oh yeah, yeah. They, they and it wasn't just that. There were all kind of phallic looking things throughout Krypton, and everybody was like, "Yeah, let's see how many dongs we can put into this scene." <laughs> it's it it's absolutely true. That is brutal. Yep. Um, so, anyways, but it was no Michael Shannon really sold that role, and I. I do feel like he gets pigeonholed into being like in a villain type role, and uh, there was um, there was a movie that I wanted to see, and I have on Blu-ray, and I just haven't watched it yet. The Midnight Special, where yeah. he's not playing a villain, and I'm kind of excited to see what Michael Shannon's like when he's yeah. not playing a villain. Um, but this one definitely looks like he's playing oh, like the sort of textbook villain here. Yeah. I hope there's a little more. To it because I think Michael Shannon's a fa- like fabulous actor, um, but Del Toro's always been very visual. Like everything is very visual. It's not nothing is too complicated in his stories. Like nothing gets complicated. It just it all gets fleshed out. So anyway, just talking about the trailer specifically, when you see the creature and it blinks, yeah, it comes out of the water. The colors like the black and the charcoal and the bright like blue design on. Oh, it's gorgeous. It looks amazing. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's Buddy in the suit, the guy, same guy, Doug Jones. Yeah, Doug Jones, who played uh, Abe Sapien. I recently watched a movie called, um, oh my God, I can't remember the name. Two movies were filmed at the same time. One was Priest. Priest, yeah. And the other was, uh, um, (laughs) why can't I think of the name? Legion. Legion, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so these two movies were filmed at the same time with Paul Bettany, and I think it was the same director. And, uh, they're both not very good. Um, <laughs> but uh, I recently saw Legion and uh, Doug Jones is in it. He's as, he, as himself, huh. but he comes out as this, but he changes and he comes out as this ice cream truck driver and he comes out and his like arms get really, really long yeah. and his jaw like extends and he starts like, ow. <laughs> yeah. He starts like, he starts like, uh. Uh, um, like uh, galloping like on all fours basically yeah. so like they de- they definitely play up his like he's so skinny and looks yeah. strange looking um, but uh, no it looks great um, 
very like uh, or like a very uh, colorful Richard Jenkins mm-hmm. is in it. Yep, and he's great. I fucking love that guy. He's, I love me some Richard Jenkins. Richard Jenkins in Cabin in the Woods. Richard Jenkins. I've, I like. I feel like almost an Oscar worthy performance in in Bone Tomahawk. Yes, he's amazing in that. And then now in this, oh man, he's great. He's great. So I'm really excited about the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it. I think it looks great. I, mean, I like. I like the digital makeup approach that uh, Del Toro takes with some of this stuff too. Yeah, because like, when you were mentioning, like he's he's hell bent on doing the practical effects for yes. all those monsters in the film. Yes, I remember we were watching the some. I think it was the making of, of Crimson Peak, where he's basically those ghosts in the hallway, right? And yes. the performances are there. Yeah. But they just add... A, it's not like an Andy Circus thing where... I mean, Andy Circus, good actor, yeah. but the whole... He needs a... He's Oscar. like wholesale replacement. It oh, is. you mean... Uh, but you... Sorry, you were, you were going to say Well, basically else. what I'm saying is like the whole... The, the amount of work... <coughs> he undersells the amount of work that digital artists do for his performance. Granted, it's there and they have a lot... It gives the artists a hell of a lot of, to work with and a very yeah. good baseline. Yeah. But to make it look as good as it is... Fuck you, Andy Serkis. You're not doing that part. You're putting yeah. in a really good performance. You're putting in a good baseline for them. Yes. Um, but like Doug Jones is doing it, and that is not a full sale replacement. They're augmenting it to some degree. Yes. But like he's still there. You can still see the right. the, the tweaking of the body and stuff like that. Absolutely. Um, I agree. I, I generally I think Andy Serkis has his performance is his performance, and it's wonderful. Yeah. It but still I comes feel through. there's so much technical. There are so many technical layers and all of these people working on it are all equally creative. And Absolutely. every layer, those thousands of hours that people are putting in, different people are putting into this performance, mm-hmm. everyone is putting in a little piece yeah. of their own take. 100%. Uh, and I think that all of that adds up into a performance yeah. that's fantastic with an incredible baseline, yeah. right? Um the same could be said about physical stuff because the like the makeup effects people that's a very good point, are like yeah. are are the the digital like are I would say the equivalent of the digital makeup folks. That's a very good point. Um, yes, because so, a lot of what's uh, Doug Jones's performances, like you said, are based on you know he's in a suit of some yeah, sort. And yeah, he's covered head to toe. He, yeah. His performance is fantastic, but the makeup being as good as it is, yes. speaks a lot to it. Oh, he yeah. was um, the lead gentleman in um, an episode in Buffy the Vampire Slayer called oh, Hush. The, the top hat. No, they didn't have to. Yeah, well, basically, yeah, they were in like full suits and they just yeah. kind of floated around. Yeah, like, yeah, the, the smiling, the, yeah, the, the smiles. huge yeah. smiles. Yeah, that was probably one of the best episodes of the TV I've ever yeah, seen. I know, and right. He crushed it. That's like, great. but that that was very simple makeup. Where instead now you're looking at some of the stuff he's doing either as Abe Sabian, which was a pretty subdued performance when he was in the suit. Yeah, wasn't digital effects. No, I, yeah, it was great. But then like some of the body contortion he was doing in that hallway scene where he was one of the ghosts in Crimson Peak from, and he was coming oh, towards. Oh, yeah. Oh, God, It yeah. looked super creepy. Oh, and and yeah. I, I was convinced it was completely digital. And, like, when they were showing the making of, yeah. it wasn't at all. It was well, not. It, it was just, there was the smoky wisps and stuff. Yeah. Really. And I think some coloring effects. They did coloring, and I think they did a bunch of layering, and, like, to make them translucent yeah, and stuff. But yeah. the performance is still the It's still completely like, there, it's yeah. still And it's still 100% uh, physical. Yeah. Like, meaning it's uh, tangible. Right, um, right. Yeah, no, amazing. And you, uh, you reminded me that explicitly another time he's done that, the digital editions, is Wink in Hellboy 2. Oh, with the Wink arm. with the arm. Yeah. The arm was practical. Yeah. Uh, but not in every scene. No. But, but uh, the face. Yeah. To make the face a little more uh, lively, they actually digitally like manipulated the face. 
uh, to make it a little more organic. Yeah. Uh, same thing with Samile, like uh, the, the the hound the of desolate one. the desolate yeah. one. Yeah, the, the from Hellboy one, and then even right back to Blade Two, um, the, the Reapers yeah. with the with the mandibles opening, still using a physical performance, just augmenting. Yeah. It. And he's done, he's done a great job merging the two, and I can't wait for this because this looks this looks great. I so. Hope so. Um, yeah, you know what? Uh, that's really all. I think that's really all I want to talk about. Yeah, now. we're going to keep it short today because yes. basically this is the first of what six episodes, I guess. Or are well, we going to go to eight? Are we going to do AVPs? Uh, let's leave those out. You want right. to leave those? Uh, let's leave those out because well, who wants to talk about that? I mean, no, there's, they, there's stuff to talk about. You know what? We could do an episode of both of those movies because yeah, I'm pretty sure we yeah. can cover both of them yeah, pretty quick. Sure, but, anyways, sure. what we're going to do is we're going to talk Alien, the whole series right now, kind of as a I guess retrospect or whatever you want to call it. It's still yeah. going on technically, so it's not really retrospect. Sure. Yeah. But anyways, uh, we're going to start with Covenant, and then we're going to go back to Prometheus, then four, then three, then two, then one. Why? Because I think that it seems like we've got a lot of more polarizing views of these ones. So I think they'll make for pretty interesting podcasts. Yeah. Whereas like one and two is just going to be basically a circle jerking for the next hour. Yeah. So, so it's going to be a praise fest for sure. For sure. Um, for sure. But, uh, but yeah, so, um, this is the, the first in that series and it's the most recent and, um, and, uh, oddly enough, like Ridley Scott, like, I mean, we're basically going to start with Ridley Scott and then we're going to end with Ridley Scott. They basically That's bookending true. the entire series. So, uh, yeah, I think without further ado, we should get into this boss battle. Boss battle. This is Alien Covenant. Hey, Justin. Hey, Atul. Blow my flute. I'll do the fingering. Uh, I don't know how to respond to what you just said. <laughs> oh, my God. So this movie opens... You need to clear this shit with me before you say it. <laughs> we don't rehearse any of this. So. <laughs> All right, go ahead. The, the movie opens with... Um, uh, a giant ship. Ironically, called the Covenant. Yes. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of Ridley Scott's open, uh, movies open with giant ships uh, and like super ornately designed. Um, I mean, like Ridley Scott does not mess around when it comes to spacefaring vessels. This no, not man at all. designs the shit out of everything. Yeah. So uh, a very ornately designed ship. And uh, basically, we have a bunch of colonists that are looking to colonize a planet, and things go wrong as they are. They tend to do in in any uh, any of these movies, and uh, basically, they end up on a different planet, investigating a distress signal. If any of this is sounding familiar, is because it is exactly the same as some of the previous films, and um, basically, shit just goes downhill. Um, we've got we've got androids, we've got aliens, we've got albino aliens, we've got the works. We've got like it's it's got it's. I think the movie is basically a split between Prometheus and Alien. I think it's the halfway point where it's still got big ideas, but they're not so operatic and uh, they're not the primary focus of the film. Where because. Basically, I think a lot of people felt Prometheus was a, a very, um, like a philosophical science fiction film, mm-hmm. basically. Yeah. But so philosophical that it actually didn't, there was not, like it didn't, it, feel, it felt like there wasn't enough meat yeah. there to be a thrill ride, to be like, 
a, a terrifying experience. Yeah. So I think they basically cut the difference. They say that I want to have big ideas. Yeah. But I also want to be a very effective uh, science fiction horror film. Prome- so. Prometheus asked a lot of questions and didn't answer any of them. Yeah. And that's kind of that's kind of what left people like being like, well, what did I just watch? What was the point? Yes. So whereas yeah. this one does ask some questions and does give some answers. Does so some it, answers. It, yeah. it delivers on that front. So. Um, I, I mean, I liked it. I liked it. What about performance-wise? Like, who do you think really stood out from a performance standpoint? Oh, I, I think that I think the real standout here is um, Fassbender. Uh, well, Fassbender, obviously, but the standout in my eyes, where I'm like, because I know Fassbender is going to be good. good. Yeah, uh, uh, was um, Tennessee. That's his name, Danny McBride. Danny McBride. Yeah. I was I was actually very impressed with him. I took like took him 100% seriously. He took the role 100% seriously yeah. and it's a this is a this is a grim movie. I think that's one thing that people need to understand is that Prometheus wasn't even that grim, I think. This is like a black hole yeah of grim dark yep. science fiction. And um if you're not ready for how kind of uh bleak the film is, yeah. Uh, it can definitely be a downer. The whole thing is a bit of a downer. Yeah, I can see um, that. Fastbender, like you said, puts in a great performance, but I, I, oh. I do agree with you. McBride crushed it. Like, yeah. you believe, like he's going through. We're not going to get into the specifics right now, but like you believe the genuine emotion that he feels throughout the film. Yeah, shit is not going well for him all the time. And, yes, but when things are going well, if you can see him. You can see the general happiness. Yeah, in him. he he played. He hit a lot of different notes, and you cast a guy like Danny McBride, thinking it's going to be kind of a joke fest, comedy fest. Yeah, and it's not. It's not at all. He hits all of the emotional notes that he needs to throughout the film. He, he delivers one hundred percent. Yeah, no, he does. Um, the other perform. There are a lot of folks in this movie. There are a lot of characters. Yes. Uh, there's a there's a high density of characters, and like you don't really get to. A lot of them are just fodder. You don't really get to know yeah. them. Um, Especially the soldiers. The soldiers are just they're just interchangeable. Area. Yeah, absolutely. Um, which kind of kind of sucks. There, but you know, I feel like they did that on purpose so they could have some bodies to drop yeah. in this film. Yeah. Um, I was about to say Jim Caviezel. It's not Jim Caviezel. What uh, character? The the captain, captain? Uh, yeah. Billy Crudup. Crudup. Yeah. Crudup. Yeah. Billy Crudup. I think I like him generally. Uh, I think he did a good job here in this role. Uh, characters do do some stupid shit, but I think that the stupid shit that they do in this movie is way more believable than the inane stuff that some of the characters do in Prometheus. Yeah. Just as, I, like, I'd obviously, I mean, that's been talked to to death. There are memes, there are entire, like, there's college humor skits about how ridiculous these yeah. characters are. We don't have to get into it. Everybody knows, you know, but... I feel like in this film, they don't do anything nearly that ridiculous that right. takes you out of the movie. That that And <laughs> I feel like that was a complaint that they were like, okay, we need to review this script and make sure that nobody does anything really indefensible. Oh, we'll know? talk about that, yeah, sir. Sure, yeah. Anyways, um, um, what else? But yeah, he was his performance, um, again, it, we're going to get into the specifics about some of the dumb stuff he does, but at the same time, he's believable as a human being. Yes. Um, I think that was the key for him. Yeah, he starts off basically not being, not trusted, but not being liked by the crew. Yeah, and it and felt very natural. It did. It that, that I will give yeah. it to give into uh, for, for his performance is he made it believable that he was 
essentially doing things somewhat out of peer pressure. Yeah. But anyways, we'll get into that some more. Yeah. Um, the look of the film was great. Oh, beautiful. everything like a lot of the sets that like the sets that they were they were on. Um, the ship itself looked beautiful, oh, it's beautiful it, yeah. at the beginning when they. Basically, before things really kick off, there's yeah. a solar absorption yeah, cycle, like sail, and it's the, the sail sails all just kind of spread yeah, out. And it yeah. looks really, really good, really, really good yeah. design. Um, the Acropolis later on in the film looks yeah. really good. Um, everything, yeah, like, no, just, it looks it's great. A great looking film. Um, I was a little bummed about the like the. I mean, we were just talking about Del Toro and his focus on physical effects. The sets in this movie are jaw-dropping yeah. they are jaw-dropping but all of the organic alien stuff i feel like a lot of it was uh was cg not enough of it like i think historically and we'll get into this when we do our our retrospective but more and more the, the historically Man, alien the alien has always been they've always had that component yeah and i think that that's a torch that should be carried by that series or the, you know this series should this movie almost drops it almost entirely if I'm not mistaken I don't think I saw very much uh, physical very many physical effects in the film uh, I think maybe some of the like attack sequences for the neomorph the albino yeah uh, thing uh, maybe some of the close-ups they had like uh, physical stuff but like by and large the thing was. All of all of the all of it was CG. Not to say it looked bad. It did look quite good, and everything with CG. One thing that you can do, and I think it does strain believability, only because you don't normally see it with man in a suit. But what you can do with CG is that things can move dangerously fast. Things can move dangerously fast, and if they're not humanoid, you can get away with it a lot easier. Yes, yes, so. and and um, it's that speed that can be terrifying and i think they really they fucking amped it up yeah. in terms of just frenetic kinetic i'm not trying to rhyme these things i'm trying <laughs> to think of the right word um filming of these like aliens they yeah. were fast and they were brutal and uh it's obviously different than the slower pace yeah. of the earlier films where the aliens m were confined to how fast a human being in a rubber suit can move. Right. Uh, exactly. well, you know, there's speed ramping and all of that stuff. And they do they do a lot of that speed ramping stuff in yeah. the older films. Uh, but this one, they just, they're lightning fast and just like really, really aggressive like killing machines. Which in my head is how they would move. Like when I'm reading a comic book, an alien's comic book or reading yeah. an alien's novel, that's what I'm thinking they yeah. like. Like bugs, essentially. Giant bugs. Yeah, giant bugs. Oh. Yeah, which makes sense. And I think they capture that really well. It's just, I... I I, I'm always partial to the physical effects that adds this concrete um, believability. Yeah. And I think they lost that in yeah. this movie. Yeah. Uh, everything seems to be flying off the handle. Like, you know, it's like an alien from the first film, like, did it like a uh, mountain of cocaine and then they shot it. <laughs> and that's what this thing moves like. It's yeah. just like, it's literally bouncing off the walls yes. in some scenes, yes. right? So, Which, um, I don't mind for some of it, but like you said, like, they overused it a little bit. Yeah, I like think they ramped seemed... it. They amped it up to 11, and uh, and I think it works most of the time, but some of the time I'm just like... Let's calm down and let's, let's slow it down. Let's take a peek at what the alien looks like. Yeah, you know? let's get... Let's 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 add a little weight to yeah. this character, right? Yeah. Where instead of having them bounce off the walls all the time and, like, let's add, like stop and take a moment. Like, this thing is a living, breathing thing that has mass you yeah. know let's like address that fact yeah. um 
anyway, not to say it was bad, but like I said, it, uh, it's something I miss, and I think it, it that not having that did hurt the film a little bit. Do you but. think these old time like because I mean Ridley Scott's been doing this for yeah he's like seventy yeah he's not a young he's like dude seventy four or something. No. Do you think that more of these older filmmakers are using? CG even more now because they weren't able to do it back in the day. Like back in the day, maybe that was his vision of That's how the alien moves. Yeah. And now he's got the CG to be able to do it and he just wants to do that. You know what I mean? So maybe I, yeah. like for us, it's kind of a really neat thing being cinema buffs that we see more practical effects and we think that it's more believable. But yeah. maybe him in his head, he's like, oh, I want to make this film and I want it to move the way I had it envisioned back in 19, what, 79? Yeah. Or yeah. 70 something, mid 70s, yeah. I think. But, you know, that's, uh, I wonder if that's the way, like, look at Lucas with, oh, with the Star Wars yeah, prequels. Right. He's got all this shit in his head and he's like, now I can make it on the screen with CG. And it's like, well, wait, the technology's not quite there yet. To or, make it- or, you know, what you're, I mean, like, you know, Dr. Ian Malcolm, like standard line, you know, like so preoccupied with whether or not they can do it. They never stop to think about whether they, whether should, they should, right? Yeah, exactly. So it's, I, I think like. I think that a lot of folks would go and revisit their films. Spielberg did it with E.T. I don't yeah. know if you ever saw that E.T. special edition. There's like a scary scene in there with him in the bathtub and he's completely CG. Oh, fuck. Yeah, and uh, it's just like a really that. strange... I haven't seen E.T. in years. Really? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Ironic how we go to E.T. We'll yeah, talk that's about right. Alien Covenant. That's right, yeah. Um, so even like great, like, you know, great established directors are not... They're not immune to this whole idea of revisiting your movie with you know new technology yeah um do i think that that's how i like when just guessing do i think that's how ridley scott had had pictured it in his head in alien no i don't think so Mm -hmm. i think that your technology for the time does govern a lot of how you think this movie is going to turn out yeah because you basically ditch ideas when you know you can't do them i think a lot of the time um, and I think that's what makes Alien such a successful film is because he's working within constraints. Yeah. When you take the constraints away, I mean, Jaws is a great example, yeah. right? Steven Spielberg's original opening for Jaws was the woman getting attacked uh, uh, in the water at night and the shark was actually, so there's storyboards for the shark was supposed to just jump like out of the water yeah basically an eater like yeah. with her in his in her uh, in the mouth and just like go back in it's supposed to be this spectacular opening for you know a, a, like a monster movie blockbuster yeah. monster movie they couldn't do it they yeah. literally couldn't do it and what they ended up filming was a trillion times better mm-hmm. and um yeah so sorry back to your question do i think that he envisioned it that way originally I don't. I don't think so. I don't think so. I think uh, you know, with time, and he's always been on the bleeding edge of technology. Yeah, like he's been pushing. He, his films look always look spectacular, right? right? Uh, regardless of how you feel about the film itself, the films them uh, the films look incredible. Um, anyway, I I think that they over. I think they overdid it. Yeah, I think, I think he so overdid too. it a little bit, and. Uh, not not a not a game not a not a game changer. It was I mean like it was like that is how I picture them moving in my head and yeah. I don't mind seeing that. I think that they pushed it more than they had in any of the other films. I mean even the uh, AVP films they yes. it was still pretty man and suity. No yeah no that's really great. That's that what way. I loved about yeah. those movies. I yeah. loved the fact they used man and suit and yeah. they made a point to say this is a physical effects movie. Yeah yeah right. Yeah. And I I mean you can talk as much shit about those movies as you want, but I think. I think that those movies do a great, have great physical effects. They did some things well. I yeah, will, I, I yeah. will say that there was some entertaining points. Yeah. But anyways, um, 
Do yeah. you want to pop into the bonus round now? And then we'll go right into Yeah, so this. general feelings about the movie. We never really said oh, yeah, like I said true. I liked it. Yeah, yeah but I didn't. Um, <laughs> there, <laughs> I'll be blunt. I didn't. Um, I think this suffered a lot from a lot of the problems that I had with uh, Prometheus. Um, I think, like I said, there's there are good things in there. There's a lot of really cool ideas. Um, and I think it raises some questions about existence and what's the point of life mm-hmm. and, and, and whatnot. Ask asks big questions. It asks big questions. Or it kind of repeats some of the questions that sure. Prometheus did, but it kind of had some sort of an answer to yeah, it. Yeah, that's right. So there, there definitely is something there. There's some interesting points. But to me, the movie sets itself up and completely backpedals on a lot of the shit that it sets up at the beginning for the characters. Hmm. So, Interesting. Um, is it as bad as Prometheus in terms of that? No, not at all. Um, did you like Prometheus? No, I didn't. Oh, okay. Not did that you I like this one less or more? Or? I, that I don't know, to be honest. Um, yeah. I, it was, Prometheus, I have kind of the same feel about. Like, right. The general stupidity leads to a lot of these situations, but overall it asks some pretty cool questions. Um, I don't know if I like the look of this film better or the look of Prometheus better. Interesting. Like the ship that they were based on for most of Prometheus. Yeah. I liked the the way it looked and the oh, way it was, the, yeah, very cool. Yeah, very, it just very really cool, good and looking. it was very unique. Yeah. Um, this one, like you said before, a very grim film, and the sets kind of reflect that grimness. They're beautiful in, yeah. in a sense. Um, but I don't know. I think that I kind of liked the little bit of more upbeatness of Prometheus a little bit more. But honestly, like it's hard for me, it, it, if it's this hard for me to say I liked one more than the other. Yeah, you're probably the, the they're same. pretty much the same. Yeah. Are they horrible movies? No. Do I think they're worth a watch? Yeah, I do. I yeah. do think that anybody that has any inkling or interest in this series should see it yeah. and form their own opinion. Yeah. Uh, for me, I just I I can't forgive what I would call lazy filmmaking, and I think that. Or sorry, not lazy filmmaking, lazy writing. Oh, okay. And yeah. I think that this movie gets to that. Okay. You know, it's it it sets itself up lazily is the way I look at it. Interesting. So. I don't know. I personally, I thought that I thought this was the best way to tell this story, and and split the difference between Prometheus and Alien. I thought it was like a great way to keep the big ideas. Like I said, like when we talked about Prometheus asking a lot of questions and not answering anything. Yeah. I think in this movie, they're like, okay, people need like some kind of closure. (laughs) It's just like this stuff, like wide open, expect people to, um, and uh, expect people to enjoy it. Uh, I think that it it does being forced to answer some of those questions puts you in a tough spot because these are big questions. And, yeah. Right. And, uh, but I think it handles it in the, I think it's the best possible way to handle some of these big questions yep. and we'll get to some of those in the spoilers. Sure. But, uh, but yeah, so you didn't like it. I liked it. Uh, I liked it probably more than Prometheus. Mm-hmm. I liked Prometheus. I just, I, I could compartmentalize my feelings about film. So if the characters are doing stupid shit, I just kind of still put that in a box mm-hmm. and kind of like put it off to the side. I'm like, okay, characters are doing stupid shit. Let's, 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 uh, well, how do I feel about the rest of the movie? Yeah. I can, I can, I can do that. Um, and, uh, with this movie, I don't, I didn't have to compartmentalize too much. I thought okay. that, uh, um, so your issue is actually kind of with the, it's with the writing or like the, the actual plot yeah. like, of the film. Absolutely, right? yes. Acting-wise... Good performances. Uh, yeah, uh, good look of film, good lighting, good everything. Yeah. I, I, The creature effects looked pretty good. Everything yeah. about the film was good. It's just, to me, the plot, how they set up the plot, yeah. just it just, to me, was cheap. The interactions between Walter and... Um, 
David. Yeah. That is a huge, like, central point of the film. Uh, and uh, and we'll get into more, obviously, we'll get into more with spoilers, but I think that was handled really well. I thought that that dialogue between them was handled well. Okay. And you do not. Well, no, okay. Well, you know what? Let's just go into yeah, this spoilers sure, so we can sure, really talk sure. about that that proper. Sure. All right, so why don't we do this? Let's wrap it up um, in terms of the non-spoiler section. We'll jump into the bonus round. Um so bonus round today, uh, I was going to take this one on. Uh, this is not related to, this is not alien related. Um, but there's a comic I was reading. It was a, it was a hardcover book I got from the library um, called Beasts of Burden, Animal Rights. That's what it's called. It's written by Evan Dorkin and drawn by Jill Thompson. And guys, this is, uh, this is like the sweet spot of like horror books for me. Um, it's a, it's an, I think it's an oversized hardcover. It's beautifully drawn, but it's anthropomorphic, um, right, basically talking animals. They're all dogs, uh, or dogs, cats, whatever, like, uh, but it, it's a horror book based on these group of animals that are essentially protecting this neighborhood from supernatural goings-ons, <laughs> right? Um, and it sounds kind of hokey, but it is written really, really well. And it's a series of short stories that mildly connect to each other. The art is absolutely gorgeous, and it is, it's a hard R. This is an R-rated book, let's say. Uh, there is some, like, like just reading some stuff from here, the black magic, demonic frogs, zombie roadkill are just some of the problems that these, these animals deal with. They all have very distinct personalities. And it's a great, it's got a lot of atmosphere. It is a great, it's a great read. It cuts that, I love the anthropomorphic stuff, like the Mice Templar or something I, I love. And like the Mouse Guard is another thing I, I love and another book called Black Sad. I think that um, this book is right up there with those. And like the horror aspect of this is so well executed. The ideas are so, they're unique and they're hard hitting and they're short stories and they, in those 15, 20 pages per story, they're able to pull you in and tell you a story that's quite, that's very, very unique. Um, and it's also a lot of world building going on. Um, so like really enjoyed it. Uh, and I think more people should read it. I don't think a lot of people know about this book. And uh, basically it's, uh, and I think more people should read it. Like I gave it a, like it's on, it's on my Goodreads. I gave it a five star rating. I love that book. I got it from the library. I think I'm actually gonna go out and buy a copy because mm -hmm. I can see myself rereading that, especially like in the fall season. This is a great, I think this is a great sort of October read. I'm gonna give it a read. I'm actually just looking. It won quite a few awards as well. Yeah, I think so. It yes, won one, two, three, four, five Eisners, uh, a National Cartoonist uh, Cartoonist Society, right, and a Harvey Award for Best Graphic Album Previously Published. Right. So actually, I think uh, the deal here is that there are multiple stories here that were mm -hmm. published in other works. They were either published in uh, independently or mm -hmm. they were published as a part of collections of other. I guess horror anthologies. Mm -hmm. This Beasts of Burden animal rights uh, like graphic novel uh, is a collection of all of those stories. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong, I think they have they have a crossover. With what? Uh, I'm just going to look it up right now. I'm pretty sure. Hellboy. Hellboy. Yeah. yeah Hellboy so have, slash Beasts of Burden Sacrifice on yeah. October 27, 2010 with Evan Dorkin and uh, 
Mr. Mignola. Yeah, that's amazing. And I love this cover too. It's great. Um, so yeah, I haven't read that actually. Now I know what I'm going to be reading next. Uh, it's a one shot. It looks like yeah. and it's just, it's like a, it's like probably like an oversized uh, one shot. So um, I haven't read that. That's not, that's not part of this collection. I don't know if they're writing any more of these and I really hope they are. There's a there's a lot of buzz around them and uh, um, uh, around these stories. Real, like I said, really well executed, really well written, great atmosphere. It, it gets that, it's got that Goonies. It's that basically, it's got that Amblin Entertainment feel. Oh, neat! Like okay. it's, but with the hard R rating, the hardest of R's, the hardest of R's. <laughs> yeah, because there's shit that happens in here where I'm just like, whoa! I can't read this Any, on the plane. Like, well, I wouldn't say that. Oh, okay. it's not <laughs> what was it? You told me that about I think oh, Sandman. Uh, or? No, it was. Uh, I was reading. no. Um, what was that horror one that you gave me? Um, the Lovecraftian one? Or, no. no, it was. Uh, it was a hell. Oh God, what was it called? I'd have to look it up. But it was basically something like I opened the page and it was just like boobs and yeah. ass everywhere. I was yeah. like, Dah! I can't read this publicly. Yeah, no. What I was reading was um, TV head comic. What? There's a dude with a head for a TV. Um, oh, there it is. And it, it oh Brian K. Vaughn's book. What's it called? Um, Brian K. Vaughn's science fiction book. Anyway, there's a moment in that where there's a dude in it, like with a TV for a head. They have a bunch of like this race uh, beings and they have TVs for heads. And uh, like there's just like a two page splash of like like doggy style. Oh god! Like straight up. And I'm reading this on a plane on my tablet, and there's like a woman sitting next to me, and I flip to the next page, and it is straight up on all fours getting railed from behind by this dude with a TV for a head. Wow. And uh, that was the thing where I immediately closed it. I'm like, Brian K. Vaughn, you motherfucker. You are going to get me into some trouble. Um, it's a great book, and I, for the life of me, I cannot remember the name of it. I'm going to look it up right now, and it is Saga. That's what it's called. Okay. Anyway... Sorry, huge aside and crazy brain fart, but uh, <laughs> but yes, Beasts of Burden is not like that. It's more like violence. It's okay. like vi and like violence against animals, right? Uh -huh. And a lot of folks are not gonna. A lot of folks are not going to enjoy that. I think a lot of people are, you know, dog and cat people, and seeing that kind of violence happen uh, rubs people the wrong way. I yeah. think, um, but you know, when it's humans, nobody seems to care. But which is weird. Um, but I'm not. A, I mean, like, I don't have a dog. Like, I don't. Have, I've never had a pet. Um, but uh, so it didn't really bother me. And it's a and it's it's visceral storytelling. But it's got that childlike wonder aspect and the kids on an adventure aspect, similar to like the Amblin sort of Goonies, Sandlot. Even the Stephen King stuff, like, uh, similar, like, vibes. So, great book, great art. Guys should go out and get it. Beasts of Burden, Animal Rights. And let's hope they make more. Because uh, I'm, I'm really, I'm really, really love this book. So, that's pretty much it. Well, let's warp back in. Okay. All right. <laughs> we are heading back to Covenant for the spoiler edition of our review. So anyway, they, uh, as we mentioned, it opens with the ship flying through space, the solar sails open, and they get hit with some kind of crazy neutrino. What did, it, what did I say? You said solar snails. <laughs> I did not. You said solar snails. I will play that shit back. Solar sails. I'm pretty sure I said sails. They were really slow. <laughs> 
<laughs> they were really slow to open and close. Good Lord. You'd think that shit would be faster in the future. Anyways, <laughs> right. solar snails, continue. Solar snails. Uh, they open up and they get hit with some crazy mumbo jumbo science fiction neutrino blast thing. I don't know what happens, but basically it disables their ship uh, and um, wakes a bunch of people up. Uh, and uh, in the, the rudest of fashions, yeah, in the rudest of being set on fire. Yeah, how does one like? How do you like that? Played by James Franco, apparently. Yeah, that was a misuse of a of an actor of a very talented I actor. I, I, I didn't know, get I, it. I, he that whole thing was just weird and unnecessary. I don't know why that that was in there. Um, I wonder if there's a bunch of deleted scenes or something. Maybe they like, have deleted scenes. Where, anyways, um, he immediately dies. And everyone's woken up. And this is, I think this is the first, like, this is the first scene where I was, like, really into it was how natural and how well acted the scene is where Billy Crudup is the second in command and he's the one that's being, like, trying to gather everyone and, like, basically, okay, we have stuff to do. Like, we've got to move forward. Um, And the crew just not being into it. Not, you know, like, you're not my captain, our captain just died and like, I don't trust you. It's not that I don't trust you. It's more of like, you're the new guy. Like, yeah. And, and on top of that, you're basically saying, okay, like we have work to do. I know this is a sad time, but you know, we need to move on and we need to, you know, get stuff done. Right. Mm-hmm. Otherwise we're going to lose a fucking hundred more people as a captain. I don't think he's making bad decisions. I don't think thing that things that he's saying are actually, he's not a dislikable character. I think I find him to be quite likable in a shitty situation and the, 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 the atmosphere around that table when they have that meeting, I was like, that was great. Cause that happens at work. Yeah. Cause like, I feel like that happens at work and it was, and it's a real situation that happens and being a part of that situation, I was just like, this is really well acted. I think this is like, really, this is how it, this is how, this is a very real reaction to that situation. So that, that sort of uneasiness, I thought that was played really well. I mean, it. It was. Um, my issue with it is that if he's going to be, I, I don't know, it, he's a grown ass man and he's put into this role, but like he was just terrible at it to start. Really? Well, okay. So you're right in that shit was going bad and things had to get fixed. Sure. Yeah. But the but after that was done, he still wasn't taking any emotion into anything. It just right. he was a very robotic kind of character that wasn't really taking into account anything. If you're the new guy, you kind of want to. Listen to the people, Listen around, to the people you. around you, right? And he wasn't doing any of that. Yeah. So right away, I just it was hard to like the character. Um, maybe that's the way they wanted to portray him. Maybe not. But I just it was he was very polarizing to me, and it just didn't seem to me it didn't seem believable that the character would be so fucking brain dead that he wasn't looking and seeing like, oh, that's why they don't like me because I'm not taking into account that their friends their their good friend just died, their good captain just died. And I'm not really giving them any time, chance to grieve. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like they, the whole, they like, asked no. him to, for like, can we get a second to grieve? And he basically said no. Let's get the yeah, work. yeah. No, you're right. And you know what? It's been a long time since I've seen the film. Like we saw this a long time ago. Yeah. This is a pretty late recording. But I remember thinking that his attitude wasn't 100% unwarranted. The situation that they were in calls for immediate action because it's not just them. Mm-hmm. It's this entire, like the whatever, thousands of colonists they have sleeping in the yes. back there. Yeah. And he's like, look, I can't afford to have you guys sit around and fucking like have a glass of whiskey and like reminisce right mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. I need you guys to get shit done. And 
we need to ensure that we do not lose anybody else yeah, like yeah. that. So he was very much like a forward thinker. Yeah. Obviously, it's a flaw. Like he's got a flaw as a leader, yeah. but I think it's a believable one. I right. think it's one that yeah, people have this problem where they don't connect emotionally, and they, you're not a very you're not a particularly good leader if you don't have that. Yeah. I just think that I guess what I'm saying is that this whole relationship was real. Like it felt like something that could happen, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then to then, you know, him being such a hard ass and not really giving them any second to grieve, I guess later he sees them having some whiskey and then he feels bad. Oh, he feels real bad. He didn't get the, he didn't get the invite. He didn't get the invite to go down and have a little shot of Jack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he completely decides to make one of the worst decisions anybody with his fucking background could uh, make. Dude. Okay. They decide to take this. The, they decide to take the, like they get a distress signal and, uh, they are, it's not a distress signal either. What? What is it? It what was just it? a weird radio transmission. Oh, but and it was that, a person. Like they heard someone. They on said the it was a person. No, it, it was, was music. the song. Yeah, the music. music. And they're like, "Let's. We should go investigate." But it wasn't a distress call. It was a distress call. Oh, okay. But then again, if it was a distress call, then you're. It's the same plot as Alien. Yeah, right? So yeah. you don't want to do that. Understood. Warranted. But they decide to take their meticulously how many years plan? Yeah. Like they spent years and years yeah. and years researching just the right place. They knew everything down to the fucking vegetation yeah. and the animals that were on the planet. Everything about the planet, they knew it. And they were like, we're going here. But because he, he felt bad and he wanted to be liked, he's like, oh, I found this. It seems pretty good. The air is breathable. Let's go down, guys. They, I, I don't want to get back some... in the pod. Oh, it's okay. You don't have to get back in the pod. It's okay. Let's go to this other planet that we know fuck all about. <laughs> no, we don't even need to wear suits. It's fine. Okay, all right. The suit thing, I think... All right, I, I, I'm with you on this decision to go down to the planet. I think there was justification in the film. I can't remember the dialogue exactly, but I remember not being in the theater just being like, I was damned shaking, fool. I was shaking my head the whole time. <laughs> the whole time. Because they he, they literally said, and the second in command said, this is a fucking bad idea. Why yeah. are we doing this? Because like, it's shaving no. like years off of their plan. It's, and they didn't, it's either they didn't see the planet there before. Yeah. Or, because I remember these like, this planet wasn't here before. Or this planet wasn't hospitable before. And now we're doing all the scans and it looks completely hospitable. I th- I th- I don't know if they even had it on their radar. I can't remember. Yeah, that there, I can't remember there was about. something. There was something about it that shaved a ton of time. Yes, it did shave a ton of time off. It of was their a journey. habitable planet. Yes, and it looks like somebody might already, well, whatever. Somebody might already be there, or there might be an establishment there, or whatever. Right. So, just from like a business standpoint, like a management standpoint, I don't think he was way off base. I do think it's not a popular decision in veering from a plan as meticulously crafted as you said, like that they had. They uh, probably not the best decision. Well, here's the thing. So back to the point of it shaving a bunch of years off the journey, right? Before he was making decisions saying, oh, I've got this huge thing of hundreds of, how many people were on the ship? I've got all these colonists on here. We've got to do the best to save all of these guys, right? And then all of a sudden he's making a snap decision because it shaves off years of, their journey, the 13 people that woke up. Right. But who gives a fuck? If you, even if it shaves, you know, 50 years off their journey, it doesn't affect the colonists frozen. They're going to get there and be the exact same people, right? Or do they right. age in their... I don't think they age no, in privacy. No, I don't think they age. Right? Um, so what I'm saying is yeah. they he was making all these decisions on their behalf before for the greater good for everybody. Right. But now he's taking huge risks just to be popular amongst the 13 people that woke up and take a massive risk to save, shave some time off their journey. 
right. where it looked like they basically could, they fixed all the problems, everything's looking good. Either a couple people stay awake and have to stick it through the journey for the rest of the time, which sucks, but it is what it is. Or, you know, they all go back into cryosleep and hope for the best. Right. But like there were better options than what he chose. And like I said, the second in command basically said that right away. Like this is a stupid fucking idea. What about, I feel like somebody mentioned something about another neutrino going off. And if they're all asleep, like this could happen again, like that kind of thing. That's what they were worried about. But it didn't sound like that there was any, it it was an anomaly. They said it was an anomaly. Something fucking weird happened, right? Right. And did they know whether it was going to go on again? No, they didn't. But it was completely a feasible plan to be able to say, all right, we're going to need at least a couple people not in cryosleep that we need to be able to react right. to this or keep an eye out for it and do something about it. Right. So it, to me, it didn't make sense. And the thing right. is, right, is that even if they all stayed awake, if it happened again, same shit, right? Yeah. The yeah, other well, option is wake up be- all the colonists and then if something happens, everybody's awake and nobody's pods. You know what I mean? Like... <laughs> You're, 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 if you're traveling in space, you gotta expect like shit could go bad. Shit could go bad. You can hit an asteroid or something like that, right? Your right. ship could get fucked up, and some people could die. That's an acceptable risk, right? You get you you basically accept that risk going in. So I don't fault the people that woke up and don't want to go back in the pods. That's human emotion, no problem. But some of you got to go back in that pod or stay awake. But we're going to go to this other planet for the greater good of all these other colonists because we know where we're going is a solid choice, right? So right. Anyway, okay, uh, yeah, I gotta, I have gotta watch the movie again. I, I, I remember not being up in arms about the decision. I remember it being like a wah wah kind of decision. Yeah. Um, but I wasn't like, this is fucking stupid. Oh, I was you mad. need to go back <laughs> to your PMP course or whatever and like fucking re-examine your uh, your managerial like uh, status just because you're you're making horrible decisions. Um, so anyway, they choose to go and land on this planet and find the source of the transmission. Correct. Um, they land on the planet and yes, they are not wearing full suits. Okay. They do this because the planet is hospitable. It's completely viable for human, uh, for human, um, biology, um, and I, you know, I didn't, I didn't linger too much on that decision. But I know what you would say here. Like airborne contagions, like like tons of like, you know. Which, which proved to be kind of a problem. <laughs> Either way, <laughs> it wouldn't have saved them, right? Because the idea is the sto- like these, uh, and it, you know what? You know what this movie introduced? What? Was the fact that this, the you know, the sticky black goo from like Prometheus. Yeah. It actually has some kind of intelligence. Like they're like nano, mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they're like nanites. That's a good point. I didn't like think of it, that. it's just like when he steps on, like that soldier steps on the spore, and it like, like spins up and like, you know, burrows into his ear. Um, you know, if they were wearing suits, they would have burrowed through the suit. Like, like they would have written. They would have written. No, but that they would have written it like that. Well, okay. They're but nanites. In that that, case, they're like they're, they're like nano organisms that so that's self organized basically, sure. right? So they're able to find any kind of weakness. So they would have written it that way. It was going to happen, yeah. Whether they're wearing suits or not, in this case, they weren't wearing suits. But that's the thing is, if they do that, then there's no there's no ambiguity anymore, right? Because right. to me, it looked like space dust. Right, it just looked like something they breathed in. I forgot about the ear thing, but still, it's yeah, something that enters their orifices yeah. in some way. If you're protected with a suit and it's just dust, you're good. Yeah. But if you want to go the route of it's going to burrow through the suits, yeah. Well, well it's going to happen. Much. Like when, when it, and it's interesting because it wasn't just 
like what's interesting about it is that it wasn't just a spore, right? Right. Like they went out of their way in the movie to show you that this thing organized into like a, a thing and like went like flew like into this guy's ear. It was a spore. They had to kick the goddamn. The no, it was a spore, but it self organized. Like it wasn't just like he wasn't oh, just breathing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it self organized into a thing and like flew into his ear, basically, mm-hmm. right? So there is some sort of intelligence, intelligence and some it, yeah. kind of like, yeah. um, uh, and it you know. But here, he, they, they, they wrote it that way. Yeah. So I figured that if they wrote it that way, whether they're wearing suits or not, this thing is getting into this guy's ear. Like right. there's just no way that we're stopping it. That's that's fine. And if they do it that way, I think that it takes away a lot of the questions about it. And, sure. I, and then it, and then that to me, it's it, it's a way better premise. Think of the first alien, right? The face hugger goes right through, through the mask, the mask yeah. right? He took every single precaution that that character should, and it didn't save him. Except for staring into an egg really fucking close. Well, I mean, his, he's got a thing that's giving him this this thing of vision, and he has to look in it. He's got to get in, right? Oh, he's got- well, not that he has to put his fucking face in it. Dude, but I just want to draw a cartoon where his entire head is inside the egg. <laughs> it's like, whoa, I don't know if I see anything in here. Right. <laughs> but I, I get that. Like, wearing, like, uh, for, you know, I was Batman once for, for Halloween. Yeah. The friggin' mask, you're constantly having to turn your head around, not yeah, yeah. just because of the, you know, you can't move your neck, but you can't see your peripheral vision's all right. that thing. You put, get put in one of those suits, you can't really see very well. Yeah. So it, it makes sense that he has to, he does have to bend over. Bend a over bit. to see, yeah. But, um, but I think they should have done that in this film because it, it, it to me, it just, it, it, it further. It's like negligence. Yeah, it further. Yeah. It's the same thing with uh, Prometheus, Prometheus and, yeah. and those kind of mistakes that, like, these people are qualified at their, they should be qualified at their job. If they're this inept, it's more of a fucking comedy. And this movie yeah. is not a comedy. No, it's not. Right? Certainly not. So to me, that was the thing that bugged me. So anyways. Okay. They, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So so they, they land on the planet. You find, Like it's the whole husband and wife teams. They land on the planet and like half of them go out to investigate the radio signal. Yeah. Sorry, not half. Oh, sorry. A few of them go up the mountain to investigate a radio signal. Two, Two of them. them go to collect samples. samples. Yeah. And one of the mechanics stays back, like the the pilot, Tennessee's wife. Tennessee's wife, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. She stays back at the um, at the ship, yeah. and uh, so and then a bunch of things happen. These they they're they're kicking over these plants and shit, and these fucking spores are flying into yeah. their you know body orifices, yeah. and people start getting sick immediately immediately yeah so they immediately getting sick and these guys two of them get sick in both parties so uh the one uh the pair that went off to get the samples she drags him back to the to you know and he's sick and she drags him back to the ship and tennessee's wife actually i love these scenes Mm -hmm. this part of the film is so aggressive yes. and it's and it's filming I fucking love the, the next like 25 minutes I think that's just like Ridley Scott in the fucking zone that's like that is clean pure no fat Ridley Scott just being awesome mm-hmm. I think that 20 minutes or so basically with the, the two neomorphs being born yeah. and then getting attacked was just like pulse pounding yeah. it was great action horror filmmaking uh, because what happens like it doesn't let up like it's it's well acted, you know. It's just people freaking out, but I mean, I think it's like they're very convincing in their freakouts. Yeah. Um, this whole question of containment and all of that, like it all comes into play. Like I think every one of the movies is always touched on quarantine and whether to do it, when to do it, when people, you know. So when they bring this sick guy on board, 
uh, they put him in the, the room and she quarantines them both. Yeah. And the guy starts freaking out. Like he starts like convulsing so violently. And I was like, oh, this is so, it's so such high energy filmmaking. Like even the dude is shaking I'm like, <laughs> he's like violently. And um, that scene where they're looking through the porthole and like he's looking the back and like, like the, the, the back, the, the back part. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't come out all at once. It's just, it kind of like bursts a little bit and the, like she gets blood on her. I'm like, holy shit. Like it's just really just this whole scene is like super energetic and super tense. And, um, and then this thing, and then, oh, there was a scene where he tries, she tries to hug, hug him, like to calm him down and he's shaking so violent. I, I don't know why that one stands out to me. It's just, it's just. Can you imagine like holding on to someone who's shaking that violently? Yeah, yeah. There's just something about that that's really unsettling. Yeah. Um, that scene was good. I mean, that whole thing was pretty good. My, I mean, their containment protocols need work because the fucking the, the girl the that was on the ship, she should have gone in there too. Is the way I look at it. She should have cont- contained herself for sure. Yeah. Because I mean, if you're in contact with them and you're dragging them through the ship, that whole ship is now con- is now yeah. contaminated in yeah. some way. I think the but, away ship itself, yeah. is not meant for containment. No, exactly. I think the away ship itself is meant to be contained. Like if there's yeah. a if there is some kind of infection, that yeah. entire away team is yeah. fucked. Yeah. Basically, you when you come back to the ship, you're not allowed back on the ship. You but stay. But there's a containment room in there, so there's got to be something. Yeah, that's for, that's like the, that's the, the doctor's office, I guess. Like, like, but but in my in, I guess you you might be right anyway. to some degree. But I don't. I'm not. I'm not going to harp on that too hard yeah. because I mean, given the scenario in there, yeah, they probably broke some containment protocols to some degree, but it was under a lot of duress. Duress, yeah. So okay, Unexpec- uh, very unexpected, unexpected duress. Yeah. That that one makes yeah. some sense to me. So then after- this thing pops up, yeah. right? Uh, and it's super violent and different, man. I was really happy to see that they they did something different. Yeah. I think they actually created an alien that like rivals the original. I, I love the fact that like it breaks out of the back. I'm like, oh, this is great. It's new. It's pretty it's much fresh. Not fully grown, but it's no fully. It's like a dog size, yeah, yeah, I guess. Yeah. And looks great. Yeah. This thing pops out of the back and like it attacks the woman. And this attack is like something. Yeah, it's vicious, but it's like something small. So yeah. it's not like it's not like a one hit kill. It's no. not like I'm going to decapitate you or, you know, stick my tongue through your head. It's this is like a mauling. Yeah. Like it's, it really is. It's like it's getting mauled tiny by a small like a lynx or something <laughs> like that. Like it's like that's what it is. It's yeah. brutal. It is. For both of them. For like she. Them, yeah. She fucking gets it a couple of good hits there too. She like kicks it in the face and like it flies across the room and like yeah. stuff like. But it's like it's a fight to the death between yeah. these two things yeah. or between these two animals, or like human and alien. But really well shot, and the girl outside just freaking out. And uh, and I can't remember the exact events that occur, but this thing gets out. It gets out. The ship blows up because I think she... She starts trying to shoot yeah, it and she like hits gas, the Let's thing. say a gas line. Yeah. <laughs> she hits the propane tank the truck. Pro- yeah. Yeah. And uh, this thing goes up goes up in spectacular fashion. And meanwhile, meanwhile yeah. outside, yeah, you've got the other alien that just burst out before they can get to the ship. They see the ship explode. Yeah. And now you've got two aliens to deal with in that field. And oh, then the two aliens are... They, I think they picked off at least a couple of the other yeah. people in there, but yeah. they got one and that's when David came out. David yes. from the original Prometheus film. Yeah. And saved them in very dramatic fashion. I thought it was a pretty kind of kind of cool way to do yeah, it. Yeah, the flare? Was the it flare, the flare? Yeah, yeah. With the coat on and yeah, the overcoat the co- and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that scene in the field was amazing too. Yeah, like this, really this is 
I guess this takes a little over like 15 minutes, maybe, or maybe less, maybe like 10 minutes. Yeah. But it's a great 10 minutes. Sure. A, yeah. A very frenetic, high energy. Arguably the best 10 minutes in the film for me. I, yeah, yeah, agreed. So I 100% agree. So, anyways, after David finds them, lights up the flare, they decide to trust him, which is, you know, it at that time, it makes sense. They just kind of saved him. But then, then, then after that, he brings him to, I guess, his home base, which is this Acropolis I mentioned in the past, which as they're walking through, it's basically a field of, of mummified dead bodies. Yeah. Um, and they get inside, and that's when the reveal happens that it is indeed David, who is the same, not same model, but same He's the same appearance. android. Same. David is the same android from Prometheus. Oh, yeah, yes, from, from yeah, Prometheus. But there's saying? the character Walter. Well, yeah. um, same look. Just, I don't think it's the same model. Yeah, like, yeah, there it's are a newer model. Yeah, newer model. It's a newer right? model. But like, it's... Walter is a newer model on the on that with that look and feel. Exactly. Yeah, he's got more of a weird Texas or maybe not yeah, Texas. American. Where's yeah, like some kind American of an American accent? accent. Yeah. I, that was off-putting. I didn't like his accent. Oh, I, I think I, I liked not it because off-putting, it, but I liked it because it was weird. It was because weird. it was like really strange. Yeah. Um, so then they go there, and that's when they decide. Well, we need to contact the uh, the Covenant and yeah. see how we can get back up there because our ship is kaboom. That's right. Yeah. And then that's when they break off. Some of them go upstairs to try. Well, upstairs, up the upstairs. top, whatever. <laughs> go up the Just go upstairs. Floor. Uh, yeah. So they go upstairs to go and try and get a signal out. While uh, a few of them remain down, the captain's still alive. Yeah. Um, a couple of the soldiers are alive. A couple of soldiers are still alive. Um, the main character Daniels is still alive. Yeah. So the, then, uh, David and Walter have this <laughs> like conversation, yeah. which I oddly enough, I feel like this, this, their, their scenes together, I think they have two big scenes together yeah. are, are like the center, the center points of this film. Yes. It's not an action sequence. It is literally a chat yeah. between two androids. And I found those scenes to be really tense mm-hmm. because I was just waiting for David because basically David's like a sociopath. Yes. And I was waiting for him to suddenly just rip fucking Walter's head off or yeah. like something ridiculous. Like, I was too. With the I was flu, like, the whole time with the flu, I was waiting for him to just shove it shove through, it his, through face. his face. Yeah. I thought he was going to shove it up his chin or yeah. like through the back of his head or something. I was waiting. I was waiting for that. And I was like, the entire time, I'm like, holy shit, it's going to happen. It's yeah. going to happen. Yeah. And he does do something does to that effect, right, yeah. but it happens way and, later. Way later and un- it's unexpected. Like yeah. I wasn't expecting it. Right. Um, and that's it, it, when they start having those dialogues. I'm trying to remember when it was revealed that he had cut his hair and colored it the exact same way that Walter's was, because he didn't look that way when they found him. He had the long dark long hair. hair. He cut. No, there's a he scene where he cuts his hair. Yeah, yeah, he cut it and then he colored it. They look exactly the yeah, same, right? Yeah. Here's where another part of my "what the fuck guys" argument comes into play. But that you know what I'll. Go into what the fuck in a second. Yeah. Because then after that, so, you know, the, the you, you have those two really great conversation pieces. Well, I, I do want to talk quickly about the conversation. Okay, first. go ahead. Yeah. This whole thing about the flute. Yes. Okay. I think it was pretty effective. Um, the idea that they can't create or the Walters model cannot create when David's model didn't have those inhibitions. And Wal- the explanations I thought were crisp clean and very concrete nothing philosophical about this it was just walter's like your model gave people the creeps yeah like literally he says that like i'm paraphrasing a bit but he's like you fucking weirded people out because you were just so human yeah like you were so human that they 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 couldn't take it yeah so they created me who's a little more like robotic yeah and i can't create right and he's trying to teach him how to play the flute. Basically, he's testing him this whole time, trying to get him to be on his side. Yeah. Right? Um, and this scene with the flute, 
it was a good idea, but that line got laughs. What was the line? The line, the the one basically, yeah, here, you know, don't blow the flute and I'll do the fingering. Yeah. Yeah. This line, an unfortunate choice of words, but I think this whole scene was purposefully erotic. Mm -hmm. It's a hundred percent a weird Android sex scene. Yeah. Uh, I'm like, I'm convinced that's exactly what Scott was going for. It was uncomfortable. It was weird. It was uncomfortable. It was like erotic in like the strangest way. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, that's how it should be. I think, and they've had this, they've had this running throughout the entire series. Oh, in my entire series, I mean the first one (laughs) (laughs) when Ash, the way he tries to kill Ripley yeah, that was is he takes weird the role of paper yeah. and he's basically it's like trying to fix you. Well, he's trying to asphyxiate her, but yeah. he, it's a phallic thing. Yeah, yeah. He's basically like exploring this weird erotic way to kill her with like a phallic symbol, yeah. right? Basically, it's android sex, and um, I, I saw that in the making of documentary and stuff because I always thought that was weird. Like that's one that's that's a weird way to dispose of someone. Yeah, uh, and I'm like, why? And I'm like, yeah, it is a little. It's off putting, and it's perfect. It's yeah. perfect because it's like it is unsettling. It's that was super one thing unsettling. I, I was just that was one thing in the first one that I was just like, what is he doing? What oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> it's just a weird thing, and I remember reading about it and saying that yeah, this is purposefully erotic. It's yeah. purposefully like. Uh, um, an android exploring their weird sort of violent sexuality. Yeah. Um, and they continue in this movie with yeah. the flute. The flute of all flutes. The flute in the mouth. Mm. And uh, so I, I think it's very it's very uncomfortable. Unfortunately, that line got some laughs and they should probably change it. <laughs> I, I wish they, they didn't say that because it, it kind of took me out of the scene. It was a really funny line. Yeah. Unfortunately. But... Um, but yeah, no, I thought those conversations were really good. I think they took a chance spending so much time on those conversations. Mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah. Anyway, that that's that's pretty much all I wanted to say. Cool. There. Yeah. So the neomorph gets into the Acropolis. City, yeah. I keep calling it Acropolis. I don't know why. It looks like one. Honestly, yeah. I I was I was kind of taken aback with the amount of like ornate production they yeah. did there. Yeah. Um, I was like getting like Batman and Robin like vibes with the how ornate like the sets were and stuff, and I'm like, you put you they pushed it far. I wasn't entirely on board with the overproduction, the opulentness of like the whole thing, but uh, I, I sort of I, I I sort of got used to it after a little mm-hmm. while. But an Acropolis is not a bad word to use for it. Thank yeah. you. Um, but yeah, so the neo neomorph gets in there and ends up disposing of the really hot chick. Oh, dude, she was smoking hot. hot. But anyways, they like one handed like decapitation too. Yeah, pretty vicious. It yeah. was in a, it was like landing a pool. Yeah, yeah. It was pretty awful. But yeah. anyways, and that's when the captain, the oh, yeah. worst captain okay. of all you're time, you're really trying to skip oh, to these moments. Okay, buddy. I agree with you. I think I agree with you. This on is this one. okay. So, and I'm gonna get to this. Captain walks in on David, basically about to make out with the Neomorph, right? They're basically really yeah, close. Yeah. He's trying to bond with it, yeah. the mother, and he shoots the shit out of the Neomorph. Well done, sir. Yeah. I thought that was really well done. And then he's face-to-face with David, gun pointed right at him. At this point, David has, yes, saved them, but then brought him through a field of dead bodies to his home, where he lives in the center of said field of dead bodies, yes. with a flimsy explanation as to how that field got there. Yes. On top of that, he now looks exactly like Walter. That's kind of a red flag. And he was just basically trying to bond with the creature that was there. 
at this point, I don't understand why the captain even listened to him. He should have shot him in the face. They already yeah. got what they needed to get. Well, they got what they needed to go back up to the ship. They yeah. just did away with the Neomorph. Yeah, they're safe. They're safe, right? And this character is definitely not good. There's a problem with him. Should have shot him in the wrong. face. Yeah, there's something wrong with him. But I didn't even step before that. Before, sorry. Oh, yeah, go, go, go. Like, before that, said hot chick going, like, I need to wash up. It's like, this isn't, like, this isn't, we're not going out. We're not going clubbing. Right. Like, we don't need, like, one doesn't need to run off alone, alone and, and wash, go up. wash up. This isn't a Friday the 13th film. Yeah. Like, you're not going to take your clothes off and have a shower. That right? gave me, I, I rolled my eyes. I was just like, oh, like oh, come God. on. You guys can do, and when we talk about lazy writing, I do feel like that is a very lazy thing yes. to do. It's like, yeah. I'm going to wash up. It's like, what the, what the hell? Yeah. Where do you think we're at? We yeah. were not under like an all-inclusive here. Yeah. Like, you're like, just everybody's sitting in this fucking circle. Yeah. And, you know, take your safeties off your weapons yeah. and fucking we're going to chill here together until the ship comes. Yeah. And nobody fucking move. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, they have soldiers there. Like those guys are the guys that should be saying like, uh, don't maybe have... you should stay here. Yeah. You know how yeah. we've got aliens running around? We have the guns. Yeah. Let's stay here and keep an eye out. That's right. Exactly. exactly. So, and no, then I got some dirt on my hands. So exactly. I gotta wash my hands. And then David... away from everyone. <laughs> yeah. And then David, like systematically starts bringing them through more rooms that are way more suspect than even him bonding with the friggin' alien. It's yes. like, this guy is out of his mind. Let's shoot him. Let's shoot him. Then he brings him to the lair where the, the where the face hugger is. Yeah. And at this point, my brain went, all right, fuck it. Who cares? At this point, this guy deserves a fucking face hugger on his face. <laughs> like at that, he should have shot him in the face so many times. Yeah. And that would have been the end of it. But anyways, again, dumb characters allowing dumb things to happen when they are supposed to be qualified to a certain point and yeah. not doing it. So at that point, it's somewhat comedic. So yeah, so when she goes to wash up, even his reason, he's like, oh, have you seen her? Oh, I'm going to go look for her. Yeah. I'm like, what am I? Like, I'm, I'm literally watching an early 80s, like poorly written slasher film yeah, exactly. right now. Like, exactly. come on, we can do better than this. Absolutely. I, and I don't think that there are fundamental problems in this. And like, they're not, that's not fundamental. It doesn't ruin my enjoyment, but I really am like, come on guys, come on. Yeah. Like somebody's reading this script or watching this, it's like guys. Listen, even if you just write something a little more, give it a little more explanation. Yeah. Like what? Like I exactly. I don't know. It was it was very lazy. So yes, you're right. He's like leading him through this like little fun house that his is getting mur per his, his murder domicile. Yeah. Or whatever. <laughs> He's like getting domicile. progressively like more sketchy. suspect and sketchy and. Um, and he, you know, he takes a peek, just like John Hurt. He sticks his head in that fucking egg, yeah. basically. Uh, and smell. he, yep, he, uh, and he, his face gets hugged. Very, very tightly. tightly. Yeah. Um, so now David's like really happy with himself. And, <laughs> and uh, he goes, and I, I can't remember the exact sequence of events here, but there is another conversation with Walter. Yeah. That's and he, when this is when he like... It's not. It's not a flute. I think he just like deactivates him really quickly. Like, I thought he stabbed him with the flute. Some in, in a deactivating location. Oh, something like that. Yeah, maybe. but yeah, it was exactly that. But those models don't have that. Yeah. So basically, yeah, uh, like Walter's able to turn himself back on. But right. when that happens, the look on Walter's face was really like disconcerting. Isn't he like this? He's like, yeah. He's like, yeah, yeah. He's not this like jaws open mouth, like, yeah. jaws out. His eyes are rolled into the back of his head, and like, Ooh, which even then, weird. also like, how how did Walt? I Walter's an android, so sure, maybe he's a little bit more naive, but even still, like, there's a lot of red flags to in those conversations. Like, right, now somebody, you're pushing it. Well, I I know this. That's why I'm not harping on this one too yeah. much. But I'm thinking even Walter, like at a couple points, he's like, 
Why does he want me to finger his flute? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Uh, like, androids are just weird and kinky, and the, you know what? They, uh, they're they just very trusting. I guess. Put it that way. Yeah, so that's, okay. that's why I'm not going to harp on that one yeah. very much. Um, yeah, so he de- deactivates him and goes after... Uh, what's the name, main character's name again? Uh, not Hope. Uh, what's her name? It's... Uh, I cannot remember her name. But, I do, uh, I do. Daniels. Daniels. You actually find out that Numi Rapace's character and him, he has this crazy, like, speech about how he fell in love with her. Yeah. And she died in the crash. And they have this great, I think a great flashback back to where he drops the, like, the uh, the goo drops on the engineers. Um, and then you find out that, they, that he dropped it on purpose. Mm-hmm. And... Um, why does the goo did like you know, like disintegrate or like the engineers and doesn't doesn't do anything to that? I don't know. Um, the goo seems to have properties uh, uh, that are basically just tailored for whatever story they're trying to tell. That's so, exactly it. Um, yeah. Back to lazy writing. To yeah, it's a little bit of lazy writing, a little inconsistent. What yeah. I did like though is that on the engineering world, you can actually see the different types of engineers. It's like almost like a class system. Yeah, like you can see like some of the engineers that were a part of that ship. Like in Prometheus, those are like the highest class, and then you have like the you know the plebs and like the other like engineers yeah. that are poor, like less poorly dressed, less kempt. Yeah. Right. So there's actually a big society. They're not all like these. The not all of the engineers are like these like the scientists, like these god, like yeah. these god scientist yeah. people. Like these are obviously the, the the pinnacle of their race. Yes. Um, so very cool. I thought that was very neat. And they, they managed to convey that without having to say it. So yeah. I think it's like really, really well done. And that scene was fucking crazy where they dropped the they dropped the thing and it looks amazing and it's got that whole volcanic volcanic like aftermath with the ashy bodies yeah, and yeah, stuff. Like really yeah. nicely done. Yep. Again, have no idea why it does that to them and doesn't turn them into crazy monsters or, you know, like aliens and stuff. Yeah. But um Um so you get that flashback, but then you realize that he killed her. He killed Numi Rapace when she, after she repaired him, and she was experimenting on yeah. her. Yes. I don't know if he killed her. I think that she was alive for a lot of it, and yeah. he experimented on her, and that's how he created. He needs more organic matter. Yeah. So it was, he was like a kid in a candy shop when all of a sudden these humans drop. Yeah. Like, yes. Yeah. Exactly. And then he finds out that the Covenant has. Even more of thousand mm-hmm. colonists, and I think this is all like it gets under my skin. Just yeah. the thought of like crazy homicidal David, like yeah. on a shit like that, you know, toward the end. But so he needs these guys, so he he lures them in. This whole plan was to lure them in, and he goes after Daniels mm-hmm. and says, "I'm going to do exactly to you what I did to you know Numi uh, Rapace's character." Mm-hmm. So uh, and then Walter intervenes, and they have this crazy fucking android fight, which I thought was amazing. I thought it was really good. It was good, but it also led to the worst switcheroo in cinematic history. I wouldn't call it the worst. I I will call it the most fucking obvious off off the get-go. 100%. I agree with that it was obvious. I I do not think the intention was to have the audience think at any point that that wasn't David coming back to the ship. No, I, I think I, I that, that they hundred percent knew that it's all about the suspense of when yeah. he's going to play his card and he doesn't, which is crazy. I'm like with the alien when they're like toward the end of the film where he's, he's actually helping them. I'm like, when is he going to start yeah. fucking with them? And he doesn't because he knows that he has way more to gain. This one alien is one alien. 
but I've got a thousand fucking meat pies in there. I can do whatever the hell I want with. Mm-hmm. Let's put these guys to bed, like literally. Yeah. And then let me go play. Here's the problem with that, right? Is to me, it's so damn obvious. The entire audience knows it from the get go, yet the characters don't. It's well, it, to I mean, me, how would they me, know? Well, no. Well, they would know because, like I said, right off the bat, he goes and changes his appearance so he can look exactly like David. Or sorry, like exactly like uh, Walter. And you know that he's evil because Walter was just trying to fight him off. Yeah. It doesn't give them any kind of ideas to, well, maybe we should validate that this is that guy. Right. Well, but he is, his, his, his arm's gone or his hand's gone. Yeah, it's got to yeah. be the same one. No, he can chop his arm off too. Right? Like, yeah. there was no, again, it's just stupidity. Just general stupidity. Like, validate that. You know that this character is evil and you know he looks exactly like another character you're bringing on the ship with you. Yeah. You should probably double check. They didn't watch a lot of movies. Well, I don't know. I even, I just, I would think it would be common sense. But like, for me, I think it's a problem when the audience is so far ahead of what the character, what's happening to the characters in the film in a suspenseful film like this. Sure. It's suspense. You should not know as an audience member what's happening. I think that. You should learn things at the same time. You know what I mean? Like it was, it was blatantly obvious from the get go. And I thought that was a huge, like the whole time I'm just waiting for the shoe to drop and I'm not even really paying attention at that point. I don't know. I think I, I disagree with you there because I think that the point of it wasn't that the audience shouldn't know. The audience knows. It's it. The suspense comes from when is he going to play his card, mm-hmm. and that's what I was waiting for. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't play his card, which I thought was interesting. And then you realize later that he didn't do it because he has so much more to gain. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. You're not really thinking of that as an audience member. That's you're true. Because th- like in that moment, you're thinking of he wants this alien to live. Yeah. Because he had that relationship with the Neomorph and he was so angry when the Neomorph was killed. Yeah. He's like, he's going to do something to preserve the Xenomorph's life. Yeah. And you're waiting to see what that is. And he doesn't do anything. And you're like, what the hell? And then you realize, like, holy shit, like, he's just going to create a thousand new ones. Yeah. Right? Or whatever. Right? Yeah, yeah. So I get what you're saying. I think these characters are not the sharpest tools in the shed. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, like, given the situation... Who's the the only one that knows it is Daniels. Knows what? Like knows everything that happened here. It was just Daniels, mm-hmm. right? Because she's the only one left at that point. Oh, but the two soldiers come. Oh, so sorry, we skipped ahead. The Xenomorph is born. Yeah. P- pops out of Billy Crudup, and why? I don't get this, but they're totally uh, they totally <laughs> just tossed out a lot of the alien life cycle stuff. Yeah, they they they'd, they'd held yeah. for one, two, three, and four. Like all like that alien life cycle was concrete and well thought out. Yeah. Alien versus Predator was the first time where it's like, oh, something can, you can get a face hugger on your face and you, things are born in like 20 minutes. Yeah. They, they came where pretty fast there. The first four films, it was like hours at least. Yeah. If not a day. Right. Um, a day of like incubation. Yeah. And then like an hour or like hours after you wake up. Right, right. 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 So this is like a day and a half cycle, at least. This is kind of what it seems like, obviously. Yeah. I'm like, I don't you know, there's no actual stopwatch in the movie, but here they do the same thing. Yeah. They they but they do two weird things. They do the one with Billy Crudup and he gets like the alien is born in like fifteen minutes. Yeah. And, and, then and then the crazy in like thing. five minutes. Yeah, and yeah, and then the crazy uh, arms. Arms up. up. Right? I actually so, wrote that down. When I was writing my notes. I, like, I, I wrote it down as arms up, baby. Arms up. <laughs> no hands up, baby. Hands, hands up. up. Hands up. Hello. Like, it was just super up. weird. Yeah, it was super weird. They pushed the melodrama there like really far, but I don't think they broke it. I think it was a it was a risky move. 
I I, I kind of liked it because it was so operatic again. It's that more of that Prometheus like yeah stuff like that operatic side. Yeah. It was a little cheesy though. Um, and then this thing grows to full size in like ten minutes. Yeah, it was that didn't and really... that takes days for sure. Like I think it's supposed to take days. Like on that ship, at least uh, hours. Like Alien at One, at least a lot of hours. Like. I don't know. I don't know how many it could have been, but it took a long, it took a time. It took time. Yeah. Basically. And this thing was fully grown. Like you could watch like, an episode of family guy and this thing would be fully grown. Yeah. Like it was, and I was like, I don't, I don't know. And then it attacks the two soldiers. One of them gets the acid on their face. One of them gets attacked by a face hugger and like holds the face hugger back. It gets on his face and then he pulls it off yeah. and they kill it. <laughs> and then they do it again. Yeah. But they but like the face hugger was barely touching his face. Yeah. Like when it was out here, what did it do? Like shoot an egg into his mouth? Yeah. Like projectile eggs? Like yeah. why even have the face hugger at all? Yeah, exactly. You should just have an alien with a fucking face hugger gun just shooting eggs into people's mouths as they come by. Say hello <laughs> to my little friend. <laughs> right? I, I was just I was that kind of upset me because I was like, what what like what are we doing here? This thing barely had any time on his face. Yeah. It was meticulous planning in the first four films, obviously in the first one, where like it's got to incubate. It's an organism. It's not a robot. It's not software. It's not yeah. like it's not like on or off. It's like it's got to have time to do what it's going to do. It would have been better if the alien that was born from the soldier that barely had any incubation time was kind of like dysfunctional. Yeah. I thought that would have been a good idea. Like come out. It's kind of like malformed a little yeah, bit. Like yeah. something like that. Some sort of defect. Yeah. But uh, no, it's fully functioning killing machine. Yeah. And again, it comes out and grows the full height in like seven minutes. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's on a rampage again. And I'm just like, why are we twisting this? We're really twisting this mythology. And I remember how upset people were in AVP when they sped Make everything sure. up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, uh, and now... Learn from your mistakes, guys. Yeah, and I was just like, now, and now that seems to be the norm, which kind of, uh, which kind of sucks. I was like... Um, so that's that. The other thing I wanted to mention here was the actual, the big reveal in the movie. David created the Xenomorphs. Yeah. This is the big answer. Yeah. And I got to tell you, I was thinking to myself, well, how, like, is there any way I'm not going to be underwhelmed by the, the origin of the Xenomorph? Mm -hmm. And uh, I was actually proven wrong. I really liked the poetic reason behind all of this mm -hmm. our humans synthetic creation obsessed is more human than human obsessed with creation himself creates the perfect organism mm -hmm. and i was like that's a that's great i'm like that's the only way it could have worked any other any other more convoluted like origin wouldn't have worked for me i've yeah. just been like oh whatever like yep. i don't care but this i don't know i felt like it was very poetic it all worked together did you what did you think of um, it made sense. It, it, they set it up properly there, and it yeah. made it made one hundred percent sense. Um, and it helps when you've got a performance like Fassbender was putting in it. You believe that he believes exactly in every single thing he's doing. Right. Um, yeah. it, it it did make sense. There was that, we forgot to mention at the beginning of the film there was that scene with old Wayland. Wayland. Um, yeah, that's and right. David. That's right. It was a genuinely creepy scene. Oh, very good. Yeah. I think it was at the very beginning. Right? Yes. Yeah. So where he's playing the piano. In yeah. The Apple exactly. Room? Exactly. In the Apple Store. In the. <laughs> yeah. That's right. <laughs> Um, and yeah, it was, it was just, it was a genuinely, generally creepy scene. Yeah. Um, and you could see that 
he was off putting Wayland right off the bat. Like yeah. Wayland, even Wayland was kind of considering like, oh shit, what did what I do? I do? <laughs> yeah, that's right. So yeah, yeah it, it made sense. It was very operatic. Um, I, yeah. I thought it was good. I would not, it didn't underwhelm me. I, I was never, I never felt a need to answer that question. Right. But at the same time, it's not like I'm opposed to it. Like there are people out there like, oh, they shouldn't have done this. Now it takes yeah. away the mystery. Ah, eh, shut up. It's fine. I, well, yeah. You know what? I was, I wasn't concerned with knowing, like it, it would never, it, the question never interested me. No. To be honest. Like I never, I never really cared where they had come from. Yeah. But now with this explanation, I'm like, yes, this is a great, I think it's a very interesting way yeah. to go about it. And Agreed. I feel like it's the only thing, like how, how did I not see it before? I guess yeah. is my question. I'm like, this makes a hundred percent sense. Yeah. Given the themes that these movies play with, this is perfect. It fits. Yeah. It's like music. Yeah. It's I beautiful. Can, like I, beautiful. I can't argue that. Yeah. That's, and to me, I think that's the best takeaway from this film is it does answer some questions in very interesting fashions yeah, yeah um, and, and uh, fulfilling ones yeah ones that you can walk away from and really have some thought-provoking ideas about it right so yeah so yeah so um, so that was basically the the origin of the alien and uh, not disappointed at all thought it was great everything perfect orbiting organism like yeah. it's just like yeah but everything great. after that was just kind of schlock no sorry not after that everything that was after the the birth of the xenomorph, and yeah. then there was the big claw fight when they came down to rescue them. I thought that was a pretty cool. Oh, scene. it was cool, yeah. yeah. But like, I don't know, I don't know what there is to say about that. You know, the what action I mean? scene. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it was uh, good. It was kind of interesting seeing like the big claw battle. Like it, to me, I went when uh, what's your oh, name? you mean the metallic the metallic claw? claw. claw you're talking about. Yeah, 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 yeah. When like he came when down he with the crane. Yeah, 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 the yeah. crane. To me, all I could think of was like the claw game when you're at like Dave and Buster's <laughs> and trying to grab them. the claw, <laughs> like that kind of thing, right? Um, so I was thinking of that, but I mean, it was an entertaining kind of little thing and uh, crushed the shit out of him. Yeah. Fucked him up. Yeah. Oh, it was so good. It was so good. But then that was, I mean, it was just kind of the run of the, maybe not a little better than run of the mill action scene. Then they get onto the ship and then there's a xenomorph on there and then they had to, how did they get rid of the xenomorph on the ship? Oh, uh, they sucked it out of an airlock because you always have to have one of those. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So like, uh. And it is a pretty tense scene because you start seeing the xenomorph really move around, yeah, like really, really fast. And this is what we were talking about before, where mm-hmm. this xenomorph CG is like, yeah, hyper kinetic, and it's jumping around all over the place, attacking things, moving really, really fast, very, very deadly. Um, and uh, I was a little underwhelmed with that chase scene, yeah, because it's a little too fucking convoluted I'm like what convoluted get him into the space truck lock him in the space truck and then shoot the space truck into space it's like like, what are we we doing here this is weird right we've seen it all before yeah to me it wasn't offering any new ideas it was very it was much less interesting to me yeah so that's why I'm like I don't know if we want to spend a lot of time on that but but then it gets into that the the reveal that David is Walter or sorry Walter is David and then like I said I, I, you, you do bring up an interesting point that the reveal of that isn't as important as the fact that his plan was there because I wasn't considering that he's like okay now I've got all these meat pies to yeah. play with right I just like because you went like as an, as an audience member and it didn't it doesn't play like this for everyone yeah but I was so convinced obviously like I was so convinced I had this thing figured out you yeah. know like, like this movie had nothing left to uh, surprise me with I'm like yeah. oh he's gonna like ensure the alien survival he's gonna reveal himself and like whatever and when he doesn't do it, I'm like, oh. And then I'm like, oh. <laughs> you know, like at the end, you get to that realization where he's basically got like a giant Petri dish. Yeah. He can just fucking do all of the insane homicidal things that he wants to do. And he's so creepy. And just the yeah. thought of having, like being at 
his whim. Like, yeah. just, like, that thought just creeped me right the hell out. He's walking by, like, at the end, he's, like... Got the music playing. He's got the music playing. Regurgitating hard-boiled eggs. Yeah. Oh, fuck. That was so random. That yeah, the, like, the, the alien embryos putting him in the thing. And, but he's walking by all the pods, reading the names, and, like... He might as well have been skipping. Yeah, and nobody can do anything. No, he's got all the time in the universe. Yeah. And he's going to play and he's going to make it last. Yeah. You know, like, and I'm like, oh, that is just so creepy. And it's a great way to end the movie. Um, uh, and the reveal I thought was really well done too. When he's like, are you going to help me build my cab, my cottage by the river? Yeah. And uh, he doesn't say anything. Yeah. Right? He's like, you know that. He's like, oh. and then she realizes it's not that reaction just before like the gas or whatever yeah, it was yeah, the thing. Yeah. I was like oh my god it's you're genuine. fucking terrified like, you, would, you, <laughs> you should be, be that, terrified you would be that scared if you weren't that fucking stupid yeah <laughs> sorry I'm going back into that it's can you imagine a reaction was oh my god David oh you know what I should have known mm-hmm. that the writing was kind of on the wall there who, like, who changes sleep. their hair to blonde really? yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah brown, brown. Six, went from blonde to brown did he? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah right, you're right, you're right. Yes, yes, like yes, 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 yes. Or black or whatever. It's a darker yeah, it color. It's a darker yeah. color, yeah. But um, in any case, you know, the, the writing should have been on the wall on that one. Yeah. But yeah. whatever. I've already I've harped on that already. I'm not gonna go back into my tirade. Yeah. But um, um, but I'm glad it's I like having this conversation because like and this is why so we um is there anything you want to say about the movie right now anymore? Uh, no, just the fact that Buddy lives, uh, Tennessee. I can't remember his name. Well, let's let's face it you know he lived but he's well i mean at this point he's, there's gonna be a thousand and two <laughs> casualties on that show yeah. or like a thousand casualties on that show yeah. after but, but you know he lives uh, at the end of i the was movie. happy to see that too yeah yeah but. i thought that was interesting and oh the other quick thing the two the couple having sex immediately after this entire disaster happens and in they the have shower in the shower yeah uh, a lot of people, I think, were kind of up in arms. Just like random, it was like a random. It was scene. random. But you know what? I feel like a lot of people cope with like disaster, like and with with like uh, with tragedy, and they do that, right? Like you, people have sex. Like that's like a thing that they do to cope. It's a coping strategy. Yeah. So in my mind, I'm kind of like, it kind of works. It mm-hmm. is. It's a little hokey, but like, and but there's no like there's no ramp up. No, there is. They are like they're like oh my god, everybody's dead. You know, you know, like uh, um, people got decapitated, and they're aliens, and there's like orga- like organism, like this aggressive organism, and it's just awful. It's all they're all dead, and next shot is them banging in the shower. It's like I get, I feel like there was a missing like at least like ten, fifteen second scene where maybe she's like, maybe he's like really depressed about like the whole thing, and she comes in, and they start like you know like making out or whatever, and yeah. then it kind of like. You played it, this out in your head a little bit too much. Right well, I, I, I'm just like, it was just so shocking. <laughs> like, it just like from one, like this disaster, this tragedy, and then suddenly it's just like, it's banging time. Yeah. Let's, uh, I don't even think they went through the front entrance of the ship. They went through the back shower entrance. They're just like, let's go through this way. Yeah, that's right. I mean, uh, and uh, and then they had, again, with the sort of erotic, like, uh, undertones of the alien, like the, the tail coming tail going in. Off, the, yeah. And they had the tail in Alien 1, and they it, it was, what's her name? Um, Lambert. Lambert, yeah. Who who dies in a similar fashion. And yeah. again, it's all, it's all these real psycho, psychosexual, like, biomechanical, like, nightmare this thing is, right? Yeah. So uh, it plays into that, but I think that literally that scene was, like, purely for shock value. Yeah. Um, I think, I think... 
I think Ridley's better than that. I, I think do that too. was uh, I think that was a little that was a little much. Yeah. So. No, I, that, we, I was excited to do this podcast because, and it's it, we're running pretty long at this yeah. point. But in, in any case, basically, I was excited to do this because we were at a, a beer fest yesterday that led to a bar after, and you were talking about it with some, and we were like, we started off the conversation of being like, eh, we don't want to talk about this. We're going to do a podcast about this at some point, right? Right. And I didn't know how strongly you felt about the film until I started hearing you talk about it, and then I was like, because I didn't like it. Yeah. <laughs> Not that I didn't like, I just I wasn't a fan, and. There was so much praise being thrown. I could. Ju- I was just sitting there. I'm like, mm, mm, everybody's stupid. Nobody's dumb. Everybody and I just started spouting off. Yeah. So I was like, and then I woke up this morning. I'm like, yo, we need to podcast this yeah, now. We need to talk about it because I yeah. think this is. I don't know. I like I said, this is long, but at the same time, I think this is a more interesting podcast because we have those polarizing views. And I That's think right. we're gonna have this conversation. Like, it's gonna be an interesting one for Prometheus as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. More fun for four and three, I think. Yeah. Three is going to be interesting because you've got really strong feelings. Yeah, no, I do. I th- three is one that plays pretty closely to me because it's the first of the franchise that I saw as a yeah. kid. So um, I, I, I have some fond memories of that movie. That that movie shares a lot in common in terms of tone. Yeah, like with Covenant. With Covenant, I because they're both absolutely agree. Extremely bleak. bleak. Yeah, films where a lot of folks die horrible deaths and there is no God and like you're, you're, you mean very little. Yeah. <laughs> and then two and one are going to be circle jerk time. So. Yeah. Yeah. But this has been alien covenant guys. Anything yeah. else you want to say? No, that's it. I think we got it all out of the way. Yeah. I'm going to go uh, change into fashion. My, yeah. Change, <laughs> change into my jammies. Maybe play the flute, do some fingering. Good Lord. I'm going to yeah. leave. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thanks a lot guys for listening. Uh, this has been Justin. This is that's all. And uh, have a good rest of your time today. <laughs> we, gotta, we, we gotta figure out a way to sign off on these things better. Guys, thanks for listening. Uh, have a good one. Cheers. Bye bye. That good. Oh, God. You know, it's a good to say rest of your day because, like, you know what? There's always a day left. There's always a good thing to fall back on. Because you're always gonna, you're always gonna have.